2: You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network.
1: And the is
0: what do we got today, Jared? We got Paul Oida, my shame. boy from St. Albert, I'm not St. Paul, Chris. You said St. Paul. I said St. Albert. And uh, this is his song, All the, the Lights, lights just dropped today. And
2: uh, if you ever have a chance to see this guy perform live, it's amazing. He's uh, He loops me. himself, so he beatbox, plays You'll guitar. Sings over Saw, builds the songs from scratch. Unbelievable. Paul Wojta. Paul Wojta. St. Albert's own.
0: Yeah, buddy. But
2: he goes out to that BP's. No? Nobody loves BP's fans?
0: I like BP's. Yeah, Chris is just, just staring at them. They have BP's VLTs. Now. Oh, a couple of I spins? I like
2: VLTs at BP's. couple of spins. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 34. I said 33 originally. Cam had to crumple up a paper and throw it away because he does not like to cross out the titles on his paper that we throw away anyway.
0: Happens every day, every episode.
2: Every single day. We record a new podcast every day. A big thank you goes out to our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giant out in Sherwood Park, Alberta, for making this all possible. Follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. They have a big event coming up tomorrow, which is Saturday. Saturday, April 27th. It is their adopt a Petathon, starting at 1 p.m. Christopher, tell me about
0: it. We are going to play with the dogs. Um if you uh if you if you're going to shirt forward to looking to adopt tomorrow, make sure to go on to their website online. You can find it through social media, um, the correct links. But you have to register yourself uh to adopt before you actually show up. So you can't show up and uh, take a dog home with you. So it's not just like
1: buy one vehicle, get one dog free? Well, I intend on showing up and being like, hey, look over there. Dogs are gone what? with me. You're taking them all you're
3: home. Like round them all up in some kind of big taking sack. Yep. Just drag them
2: home. Well, Dan had some exciting news yesterday, some exciting personal news. So now you need a whole pack of dogs yeah. to fill your new home.
0: <laughs> are you guys yeah, going to get a dog
2: in your new home? Uh, you have allergies issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fortunately, Fucking allergies, man. You could have a fish. You could have a fish. You could uh, have a, whole you aquarium.
1: Could, you could have a fish and name a dog. You know what I was looking into, and I hope that they have some at Sherwood Ford's fish? event tomorrow, is turtles. Wouldn't it, it be might. cool to have a turtle? Does anybody ever known anybody that owns a turtle? In oh, yeah. high
2: school, we had turtles, and we used to take them out of their tanks and race them. I got suspended for that. We were talking about suspensions yesterday, Chris. Yeah. Seems like everybody had some issues at school, except Christopher. He was a I did not wonderful get suspended. student. Never, yeah. You never got either. suspended.
0: Everyone here is like super badass, and I'm just like, <laughs> just uh, no detentions through high school. How either. on earth
3: did you navigate having to sit still for like six hours without doing anything
0: nuts? I was focused and dedicated. To my I
1: work. was kicked out of a class one time for laughing. I uh, that was the only time I've ever been disciplined. I
0: was, I was coming back from
3: McDonald's lunch, and I threw a half full McFlurry out of the sunroof of the car. I was in the passenger seat. Into a mail truck that was driving right in the window. Man, you man, got, that was a good shot. It was really, really good. The guy chased us for like fifteen minutes, <laughs> and then he went to the school and he like was like, "Your students are all." Fine.
1: Hey, do you
0: get suspended?
2: I'm covered in Oreo
3: McFlurry now. Suspended.
2: No, oh. Last time I got suspended at school, Chris, it was because I sent out a mass email to the entire school.
0: That's funny. That's a good prank. What did you I- say?
2: Well, what got sent was actually really inappropriate. This guy was writing a draft email uh about another student and it wasn't very nice and he was going to delete the draft and instead of letting him delete it i went copy all or whatever in the send list and sent it to everybody in the school how many people were in the school 500 probably yeah. <laughs> 400 See, I, I wasn't sure this.
3: i wasn't like because i know i know chris's high school it was like him and like four other guys
0: yep i graduated with 18 people so like <laughs> sending a mass sending a mass email to everybody people? yeah it, it wouldn't be <sighs> very effective <laughs> you,
3: can yeah. tell in like your, you could that like you could just your, yell it your, out the hallway your, and be like, yeah, "Yeah, everybody chat. got it." Yeah, yeah we we all have a group chat. But you guys have like a group chat now where you like have reunions and shit. Yeah, what is your reunion like?
0: I've I've only been out of school for eight years. So we haven't had a reunion. Oh yeah,
2: you're coming up close. You guys are going to meet up at a local Humpty's, I assume. <laughs>
0: no, we're going to go. Eighteen back. people.
1: How big was your guys's class? I was three hundred and fifty. We had a hundred and something.
2: Mine must have been close to like. Seven
0: hundred, six hundred—that's yeah. nuts, gigantic. I, I don't even know how to fathom that. Just growing up with eighteen, well, it's like
2: you guys can all fit in Humpty's
1: I'll tell you that much. It it's doesn't like make any 100 sense. One hundred
0: times as big as yours. Like so. it, it's pretty much just like high schools you see off the movies. Hey, eh? kind of. See, I never really got those movie references about high schools because my life was so much different than. Well,
1: ones. you're also watching movies that have the American references, which is not also it's different.
2: thing. Uh, back to the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. Oilers! Not a lot going on this week, boys. However, there is still some news to be had to be spoken about. Oilers captain for the third consecutive season. Connor McDavid was nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award which is the league MVP as voted by the NHLPA? The other two nominees this year are uh, Nikita Kucherov, who is also the Art Ross trophy winner with 128 points. Patrick Kane is the third nominee and he was third in league scoring with 110. My question for you, gentlemen, do you think there's any chance that Connor goes for a three-peat? If he does, he would become the first player to do so since Ovi did it in 27 through 2010 the only other players to do so would be Wayne Gretzky and Guy Lafleur. Personally, I don't think I think it's going to go to Kucherov this year. Hell of a season. 128 points is no joke. Um that said, if you're going to make an argument for Connor, you could probably say that Connor got his 116 with a lesser squad. Perhaps that will merit some consideration. Dan, what do you think?
1: I think that the chance that Connor has is the fact that he is just Continuing to garner more respect and support from the rest of the league's players, and this is voted on by the players. So, you know, it, when his peers are rating him, I think most of them recognize him as the best player in the league. So there's that. But also going against him, I think, is that more people are recognizing Leon Dreisaitl, um for being the the goal scoring dynamo that he is, and that he spent so much time with Connor this
0: year. It's no question Kucherov had a uh, historic season, but Conor McDavid had a very badass season. If you think about it, uh, not only did he play on a team that was uh, below 500 throughout the whole season, uh, he also put up that many points. Uh, didn't have very uh, much help from his teammates. Uh, he also nearly broke his leg. Uh, he got suspended. He played fewer games in Kucherov. Uh, it's obvious that he's the best player in the league, but I think uh, he had a he had a very interesting season, uh, interesting from the norm. And I would throw him my vote
2: course you would uh if you're going to look for a little bit of extra four votes for connor he led the league in even strength points with 81 cam i know you excited about even strength points yes. he also led the league in average ice time by a forward with 22.50. we can talk about his usage relative to what we saw in the leaf series when we get to the playoff <laughs> bracket uh cam what do you think
3: well they already did the NHLPA player poll where everyone talks about all that random stuff, you know, like who's the best player, who do you hate playing against, what fans are the best, cities, blah blah blah. And I'm pretty sure the players like fairly unanimously said McDavid was the best player in the league in that NHLPA poll. So I imagine in this vote he would win the award again unless people like randomly change their mind.
0: I want to see Connor just create a dynasty over the Ted Lindsay Award.
2: It's just his every single year. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'd like that. They should
2: rename the award. The it's, Connor McDavid Award.
1: It's been interesting to me because I remember when i was younger that the the it was the lester pearson award back then but um how it was always looked at like as like the the award that you would get if you weren't necessarily the hart trophy shoe in it was like second place but it's kind of shifted now from the hart trophy being this this big award because the writers discount people for not making the playoffs
3: it's also you can you can tell now with the awards that the writers and that they vote on that they don't pay attention to certain teams. Yeah. It's very clear that there's like there's noticeable biases. Like I remember there was a bunch of writers um in the West who were adamant that Eric Carlson was just ass defensively when he was in Ottawa. And they're like, why does this guy keep winning the Norris? And then he came to San Jose and there was like LA Kings writers who were like, Oh fuck, this guy's actually good. Yeah. So you can just you can just that that that's the problem with the writers is I mean, justifiably so you can't watch all the teams, no. but I think the players have a, a better idea
1: of who's extremely good. I yeah. think. Yeah. So it's just been Possibly. interesting to see because the heart trophy was like the big, the end all to be all. If you won the heart trophy, that was a huge deal. Not so much anymore.
2: Well, and there's also the, the playoff angle and they keep changing the rules on whatever Dan and I were looking at the stats from this season. It's super interesting how many hundred point players there were this year. There was six there was another two guys with 99 points. Stamkos had 98. Uh, Barkov had 96. Mitch Marner had 94. In total, there was 14 guys with 90 plus points this year. I don't remember the last time that's happened. I think A part, lot of high scoring
0: years. So uh, partly uh, there are more goals this year than last year. So, I mean, I want to uh, direct that a little bit to the goalie equipment change. Uh, but also, I think just players are there's a lot more high skill players nowadays than the 80s and 90s when like one or two players just dominated a team now you're seeing you're seeing many players from many different teams like put up these high point seasons and it's so entertaining
3: i think teams now are leaning more into that um really load up one first line thing like we saw with colorado they had that landeskog mckinnon ranting in line that was just nails for them all year the oilers just played the ever-loving piss out of McDavid and dry Like if you look up and down this thing for every like Toronto had like Marner and um, Tavares. And then there was um, like there was Kucherov, Stamko's and point all right at the top Barkov and Huberto there with 90 points. Like teams aren't going so much for scoring depth. Now they're going for one really, really, really good line.
1: But it's funny to see too, when bag milk and I were looking through it, that you have the Tampas and you have the Torontos, the top teams in the league, but then you also have the Oilers with a with a top-scoring pair, the Blackhawks with a top-scoring guy, and the Panthers with a top-scoring guy, and those teams just did not succeed because they have no depth scoring.
3: And they have no goal too. That was another thing. Like, yeah. all Edmonton, Chicago, and Florida are teams that, I mean, if you look at their high-level skill in their rosters, if they had a goalie that put up like a 9-15 Sabres, they're probably in the
1: playoffs. Yeah, fair enough. It's just interesting to see.
2: We are speaking of goaltending. I asked our resident goalie expert, Kat Silverman, will be doing a breakdown on Miko Koskinen and kind of what's going on there. <laughs> can a 30 year old goalie improve? Is this a thing that can happen? Kat's going to have a look at it for us. That's going to come up in probably the next week or so on 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 com. Chris.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, he's just such a mystery. And I know, like, Dusty's been on it on Inside the Nation the last few episodes, just rattled by his contract, <laughs> and I'm I'm curious to see what Ka- Catherine has to say. But uh, I'll never forget the ten games Koskinen played, where he stood on his head and had the best 10,
3: ten good games. He has to you a three year deal. That's that's how to do business. I know. I know. Could you imagine? Like, okay, straight up right now, if so, the season's over. Koskinen did what he did all year. finish with his nine oh five save percentage, or whatever the fuck it was. What would you sign him for right now, heading into UFA? What would teams? What would he get? To me, like... Two
0: it,
2: years, two mil per? Well, what I was going to say is if he got extended two years at his 2.5 that he got last year, sure. I feel like that would be very reasonable.
0: Yep, I agree.
3: But you look at the list of UFA goalies and like, do you think right now, who would you be more comfortable handing out uh, a bigger deal to, him or Mike Smith? Oh, well. I mean, he's I mean, pretty close, right? <laughs> yeah. Would you hand Mike Smith a three-year deal with $4.5 million? No. No.
2: <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but I wouldn't have done and either. It's funny that it, it, watching inside the nation, uh, if you want to watch that, by the way, that is on Mondays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. on our Facebook page. Seeing Dusty is just not letting up on it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the goaltending situation in the summer because they need a backup that can push him. They need a guy who can help take off some pressure and play effectively. And I know that Christian Pignani is working on something in the back end of the Weathers Nation about whether it would make any sense to buy him out. Can you buy him out? If, is it Does his contract start on July 1? Is that how that works? Yeah. So yeah. you can buy him out, technically. So technically, the first two years, there's a little bit of variance in terms of what the cap number would look like, but it's about 1.44 over six years if you bought him
3: out. So we'll look at some similar UFA goalies with, with similar save percentages right around the 900 mark going into UFA this year. There's Andres Nielsen, who had a 9.08 save percentage. Brian Elliott, 9.07. Mike Smith was 8.98. Cam Ward was 8.97.
0: How many games played are they, do these goalies have?
3: These guys all played like around like 20, 30, 40 games. Okay. So do you think
2: any of these guys are going to land a
3: three-year deal somewhere?
2: No. <laughs> no.
0: No, it's not happening.
2: Backup goalies move around a lot. And right now, Koskinen is a very highly paid backup. Yeah. However... I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Maybe uh, an off season of training. It's just, maybe a new glove hand.
0: Maybe a, somebody's
2: yeah. somebody's hand has been donated to him.
0: New robot hand. Robot. It's hand. just such a small sample size with Koskinen. Like I'm, I'm curious to see what happens this year because he's proved that he has the skill to to steal NHL games. But obviously, consistency is kill is uh, is key with goalies across the nhl so i mean he obviously he
3: was good when the team was rolling and they were healthy and they had like a good good looking blue line
0: yeah but then beg milk you say that he needs a backup goalie to push him when we traded talbot Koskin went on a little another little run there when he had the whole net to himself and i mean technically when we did have talbot and they were competing for one a and one b Koskin didn't really pull ahead
2: well and also i agree with you but also towards the end of the year, what, he got like 25, 26 straight starts or something yeah, that like that. So like, I know. You can't
3: really judge him for his numbers in,
2: in March. So they played the wheels off him at the end of the year. And I wonder how that affected what... What was the logic thing? behind that? What were you trying to do there? Well, I understand they were trying to make the playoffs, but like at the same point, they also lost control over Anthony Stolars. And by saying he's the answer in net? No. However, it's nice to control an asset that you traded for. Yeah.
1: Um and also, just see what you have in him. You're like getting, yeah, that getting yeah, that playing time out of him. But
0: and just and just, I think get NHL experience. Whether he plays good or bad, just the more ice time he gets. Like,
3: there's uh, no way that they could have got an adequate sample size or an idea of what Stolarz is all about in the like no. six, six games he played. No, no. But they, I guess, I don't know. Was was the goal there playing Koskinen so hard that he got injured and they could <laughs> shove him on Ferren's peninsula? Was
2: that was that the long play there? Who knows, man? All I know is uh, goaltending is a completely different animal altogether. Speaking of animals. No. Tomorrow tomorrow at our our yeah. friends at Sherwood uh, Ford. Like <laughs> our friends at Sherwood Ford the giant are doing their adopt a petathon starting at 1 p.m. on Saturday, April 26th. If you have the ability to take a dog or a cat or I don't know what else they're going to have out there. Ostriches, it, donkeys, uh, unicorns, you're gonna fish, bring tra- turtles. You're going to need a trailer is what Cam's saying. If you have the ability and the means to take an animal home with you. I encourage you to do it. They will brighten your life, just like Frank has brightened mine. Although, I got him as a puppy. My last dog, though, she was a rescue, and I loved her very much. So you will love the animal you pick up at Sherwood Ford tomorrow. And there are good people out there as well.
1: Just and remember it, to register before you head over. Register? Register on the website so you can actually adopt an animal. Oh, Chris okay. was mentioning there.
2: Tell us about it, Chris.
0: We, we talked about this well, that last was the, time.
3: That was the intro that got canceled. Remember Jared's computer? No, no he did heard? talk about it. Wasn't it? Oh,
0: yeah. Confused. Anyways. Anyways. What episode
3: Anyways. are
1: you talking about that we didn't miss? <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? Nothing exists.
0: We didn't re-record anything. Nothing is real. Yeah, if you if you are truly going to Sherrod Ford and you want to adopt an animal, um, you need to pre-register yourself uh, on Sherrod Ford's website. They have their links, uh, the direct link on their social media accounts at Sherrod Ford underscore the Giant on Instagram and at short Ford on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, register yourself before you head down to the event, and uh, you could walk away with a pet, uh, cat or dog.
2: Or if you go to SherwoodFord.ca, you can talk to Victoria. She's available to help you right now, Cam. She it, always is. She, you ask her anything
3: right now? Ask her about the animals? Ask I her want what animals are. I want dog. <laughs> I am dog. Ask, uh, ask for Dan if they have the turtles there. Yeah. Otherwise, Dan, since he can't be around any animals, is going to have to get a big aquarium full of fish. Mm-hmm. You can get a, a, a tank of 23 fish and name them all after the Edmonton Oilers. Might just take out the front
1: wall of the new house and just put it in a giant aquarium.
3: That'd be nice. There was actually a house in my neighborhood that I went trick or treating to that had, right when you opened the door, had a, a massive aquarium that took up the entire, it was
0: terrifying. This year?
2: That'd be awesome. Yeah, it was always trick or treating this year. Okay. He's super into it. Although cleaning an aquarium is a whole thing. Yeah. You can't just get one of those little sucker fish and put it in there, Chris. That's what I thought. I've never had an aquarium. It's like in Finding Nemo, they have the one, the, the guy that's up against the wall. Yeah. And they also had Dory and she got stung by jellyfish in that one part. It was very upsetting. Spoilers. Settle down. If you haven't seen Finding Nemo yet. Sorry. I don't feel bad for you. We're sorry. This week over at Sportsnet, Mark Spector had a chance to sit down with former Edmonton Oilers coach Todd McClellan as he signed a brand new deal worth $5 million over five years with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, There was a couple of quotes from the interview that I thought were interesting. The first was, what's it like getting fired? And Todd responds with, well, it hurts getting fired. It's a slap. It's the first time it's happened to me, but I've recovered and I'm more determined than I've ever been, Chris. Just think of what that means for a suit game. I bet he's got those babies dry cleaned. Maybe he added some new suits to the collection. Oh, Match sure. the the gray and
0: black. He's got to buy some new ties for sure. Going to have to buy some new ties. Wait, so if we, we poached him from San Jose. He didn't get fired from San Jose? No, they, they, they did that thing. Where was, yeah. Oh, okay. Contract they did that thing
2: them. where we're like, we're just going to part ways.
1: And we gave up a draft pick to do so. Right. Back in the day. We have a draft pick for
2: him and and Pistol Pete. <laughs> like at least the, the 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 McClellan one you're like, well, you know, I mean, Todd had a raw deal. He was there he was not a perfect coach by any means, but he had a raw deal and he got fired probably before he should have blah blah blah. But that one, that second round pick for Peter Shirelli is real upsetting yep. right now. Real upsetting. Um another question was you must feel like Hercules after the Edmonton experience. Do what? tell. Uh, and then I don't know, man. Todd responded with, I love my time in Edmonton. I would have stayed there forever. I enjoyed the community, the feel of it, the fans, the players working at sports central and helping as many kids as we could. There are so many positives there, but sometimes things just don't work out and people pay the price. I was one of them, Chris.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very true. It's nice to see, uh, to hear he loved Edmonton. It's reassuring.
2: Well, and he was a great community guy too. He did a lot of work with sports central. Mm -hmm. Um, Great charity here we've done partnered with as well. I remember when he was hired as the ambassador or took that role on as the ambassador at Support Central, we went to their office and kind of did some video stuff. And he was very nice, super nice to everybody, had time for everybody that wanted to ask questions. I stared at him from afar.
0: Was that you and I that were in the media scrum? Yes. That was cool. Yeah, we
2: were in the media scrum right beside like Terry Jones and Jim Matheson. And everybody's like, who are these clowns? And we're holding iPhones. And we yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. My phone wasn't actually recording anything. I just wanted to look of the part.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We didn't answer, ask any questions. We were just there.
0: Yeah. We were just there. Very exciting.
2: You should have brought like one of these microphones and had it just not plugged into anything. <laughs> it's just the cords dragging on the ground. Uh, coaching Connor McDavid is every coach's dream. When you write the book at the end of your career, what will you say about your time as his coach? I thought this was interesting. We all know um, Connor's a hell of a player on the ice. Obviously, we talked about him being nominated for the Ted Lindsey for the third straight year, but I thought it was interesting to see the angle that Todd took, speaking more about what he's like as a person as opposed to what he's like on the ice. Todd says, there are two parts to the hockey athlete, the human part and the hockey part. A lot of players have both to varying degrees, but Connor scores 100 in both areas. He's an outstanding person you enjoy being around. He's fun, he's bright, he's a great leader, and he's an outstanding player. We all see him as a player, but I got to see him as a human being as well. His compassion for his teammates, for the community, for the kids who want an autograph. I appreciated that as much as I appreciated him as a hockey player. Chris, does that give you little tingles?
0: It does. Like, what are the, what are the odds? I mean, you're born with, like, superhuman hockey skills, but uh, you're also born with superhuman uh, personality skills. and
3: uh... <laughs> So that's just something... If your personality is something you're
2: born with, that's not something you grow in.
0: But I mean, the fact that he's he's a hundred in both areas, like McClellan says, that's a that's a very nice to hear. I nice just I think so it's much.
2: interesting because Connor very much and clearly knows what he means to the game and what he means to the league. Could you imagine if he was just a dick, where he's just like an asshole type of personality that had amazing skills? He's still Connor on the ice, but off the ice, he's just like, get, get fucked, kid. I'm not signing your shit.
1: Yeah, he'd be our dick. Yeah, he'd be our dick.
2: We would love him for it. We'd Like, uh oh, take. Can
3: that. you think of an example of like a hockey player that was really good that was a huge? Fucking
2: no, Brad I can't. No, but like,
3: a, like, a, like a really, really good. no. Player. Well, the, Brad the
0: no Brad Marchand is noted. He's not as a generational a, talent. He's a huge Brad really Marchand good, is no. not a generational. He's really good. Talent. No, Marchand's should, known as a very. It's, nice It's guy very easy
3: to pull like good hockey players that are dicks, but like a like I'm talking like a Gretzky, Crosby, Lemieux, Bobby Orr mcdavid like they all seem to have that thing in common that well, they they have the self-awareness
0: that they're i've heard stories that like martin broder was a huge dick and had a huge ego
1: overrated oh wow, system bold. player patrick wall was, was kind yeah of goalies good. are goalies are so fucked though so it's not surprising i think, I, think I keep in, putting it up and you just keep smacking them down yeah
3: it's like dan's saying shit over here and i'm like <laughs> i don't want to hear it at in all in this day rolling here thinking you're better than anybody else because you bought a fucking house yesterday <laughs> yep it's like get out of here <laughs> yeah.
0: in this day and age i think uh talking about players who are dicks, it's more focused on talking about players who are like more focused on partying and drinking.
3: Because it seems like all the dick players are like, like Dan says, Brad Marchand, someone like that, who's who's like a good, not great, not generational player, but like very good. But those those guys that are the real top tier always yeah. seem to be like quality guys, at least from the outside, it seems.
2: I wonder if that is a part of it is just how a guy like, connor a guy like Sidney crosby they've been trained to do this since they were like 12 years old
1: yeah imagine imagine being that dick and like living in the social media world now and just having everything you do just magnified to the umpteenth you know
3: i think there's something to be said too like when you have that 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 personality and awareness that a, a star like mcdavid has is it goes into why he's so good is that he's so focused and committed and kind of like grateful for like what he has going on that he doesn't take it for granted. And if he were like a shit person then, you know, do you take it for granted then you
2: don't become that player. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He uh he's always trying to get better. He's like the kind of guy who's going to Like I would love to know how much it bothers him right now that he can't be skating or that kind of thing. Like that he's got to chill out for a little bit. Do you think he's sitting there like with his leg extended? As it's recovering from his PCL injury, but he's still pumping weights anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. Probably,
2: probably just like yeah.
0: s- sitting there like doing like he's probably- hand drills and shit he's- with one of those like stick balls. Yeah, he's sitting in his wheelchair or whatever, but just still firing pucks in a net. Targets. Watching game tape from the last year. Okay, I thought of a player that I think is a dick off the ice. Go ahead. Uh, Evander Kane.
3: Sure, but again, not.
0: But like he's <laughs> super good. No I I don't no, he's think not. I think to that point though you can, <laughs> well, you can
1: extrapolate it though and say that all sports now their 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 stars have to be more aware of the fact that that they are the face of
0: the the face of the league and it's not a controlled thing it's a every day you're the face of the league you're right but then if we're just going to focus on generational players there's been like 3
3: Well no I there's there's like McDavid there's Crosby there's Bobby Orr, there's Lemieux. Was Eric Lindros one? Maybe, maybe. I guess Bobby Orr. like you get to the past two, You got like Maurice Iselman. Richard.
0: Okay, if you're thinking like that far, see, I'm
3: not, I'm not, I'm not going down and being like, oh, Evander Kane's a generational talent. No, he's like the 25th best winger in the NHL. Stamkos was, which is still impressive. Yeah, no still doubt. a very good player.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think like even like I said to 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 the to the fact that it's like a sports wide thing. The last like true great player that was a dick would be like Barry Bonds in my mind. Yeah. Like, Michael Barry Jordan was,
3: was kind like, of a dick too, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But Bonds like right up until the end, Bonds was like a just oh, a huge, jerk. He was huge a hustle. straight up jerk. My favorite, part about,
2: my favorite part about Barry Bonds is how if you look at him as a rookie and to where he ended, how his head grew probably <laughs> 10 sizes.
1: That probably speaks to why he was probably a bit of a jerk. I love that.
2: It's amazing. I didn't know your head could triple in size, but he taught me something. And for that, I'm grateful. Uh, another thing going on with the Edmonton Oilers. This week was Evan Bouchard had himself a week.
0: It was Evan Bouchard week.
2: Evan Bouchard week. Do you think he's a nice guy?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think Who, so. Would you consider him
1: a generational talent? Well, he's a sage, sage veteran. He's a, <laughs> he's a
2: 40-year-old dad, yeah. and he's just trying to make his way and do his best. That guy went through puberty at the age of three. So, <laughs> the London Knights, they were up 3 nothing in their series. They got bumped. I don't think anybody expected that. But that's okay. And Bouchard from there got assigned to the Bakersfield Condors to help out with their playoff run. He sat out. He was a healthy scratch for the first two games. Uh, Jay Woodcroft said that he wanted to get him acclimatized to the team. He hadn't spent any time with those players. Makes sense. Game three, they went with 11 forwards, seven defensemen. Old Bouch, old man Bouch. Dad went out there and got goal, two assists, found himself tied now with the Condors' lead in playoff scoring, had himself a hell of a night. That actually made him the first Oiler in a season, I guess in the franchise. Was that right, Dan?
0: Yep. Yeah, franchise.
2: First in franchise history to score a goal in the NHL, in junior, and in the AHL, all in the same season.
0: He was also the first Oiler this season to score a goal in the OHL, the AHL.
2: I'd be impressed if he
3: scored a goal in the NHL, the AHL, and the OHL, and scored a goal for my ball hockey team. See, that would have been impressive. But he didn't score a goal for my ball hockey team You guys are done now. He doesn't have that chance. Yeah, because he won the championship. Uh,
2: yesterday, he was also announced as the Max Kaminsky Trophy winner, which is awarded to the OHL's most outstanding defenseman. After going back... To London from the Edmonton Oilers, he got 53 points, 16 goals, 37 assists in the 45 games. That gave him a 1.18 points per game, the second highest total in the OHL this season. He was also the only defenseman in the league to average more than four shots per game. I like the idea of a trigger-happy defenseman. I like the idea of an offensive defenseman. I'm very intrigued to see how he does with the Condors tomorrow. I assume after a three-point night, he's going to be back in the lineup. Yep. (laughs) You'd think. Yep. I'm just really excited to see how he does. Um, Looking ahead next year, the new coach slash new GM, we're going to talk about that in a sec. He's going to have to decide what to do with him. If you take Bobby Nix at his word, he will be starting the the year in the AHL. What do you guys think of this guy who is deemed not a top 50 prospect by one Craig (laughs) Button? (laughs)
3: <laughs> There's a reason Craig Button's not an NHL GM right now. He didn't think Marty St. Louis was much of a prospect either.
2: Was he the jam in Calgary that was? Yes.
3: Put him oh, on waivers. Oh, and he uh, let go of J.S. Shigar as well right before he uh, really hit it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. A <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: little other Oilers angle on this most outstanding defenseman award for Bouchard. He becomes the sixth night to win it, but the first to do it since Danny Savrette. Remember him, Chris?
1: No, how did that I turn no out? They, that
2: they traded What for? Was it Ryan Pultone? Something that like was that. the trade? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Why the fuck do I know that? That's a random little factoid to keep in your brain bank there, my friend. <laughs> so all in all, Evan Bouchard Week continues. He will be accepting this award at the Hockey Hall of Fame on June 5th in Toronto. The way it works, I actually thought it was interesting. This award is voted on by all the GMs in the league. So they put their melons together. They all nominate a, a player. They're not able to vote for their own player. But Evan Bouchard ran away with it. He finished uh, significantly ahead of the second place in voting for this
1: award. So if Danny Savret's career trajectory is to be believed, we're going to trade Evan Bouchard for Ryan Strome in two years? No, Calgary is
2: going to be trading Johnny Gaudreau for Ryan Strome because he cannot produce in the playoffs.
3: Hey, um, you know who else won that OHL award for top defenseman? is Andres Sakara. Reggie. Way, way back in the day, apparently he played in the OHL. I didn't know that.
2: Man, I didn't know the OHL was a league when he was a young man. <laughs> Cause that was back in like, that's back during like the world war two. Yeah. yeah. It was like 3
3: Secura's got to be like in his seventies now. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's, got, I mean, he's had four. I feel like relations. he's played with the Oilers for like 15 years. And those Eastern European years are hard ones too. You know, it <laughs> well, goes home many he works on the railroad in the off season. Drinking Yaks blood. That's his uh, electrolyte. du jour.
0: nail Yakupov's blood? I just feel happy that uh, Bouchard is the first prospect in a long time that there's a prospect every year that we're like really excited about and he's uh, winning awards and uh, being really successful. But I feel like we're on the right track with Bouchard and I feel like there's no pressure to have him in the NHL next year. And it's uh, just a relief that we can uh, uh, cheer for this prospect in our system and uh, not have to like stress over whether he'll play in the NHL. It's like he's, not
2: like, he's not like a savior, but he's good. Yeah. You know? And he's going to be a contributing member to the team, which I think Chris is saying is a breath of fresh air, much like what you'll get from our friends at POG. (laughs) Whether you've got the plug-in unit, the mobile unit, or the one that goes in your fridge, you are going to kill 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungi. They have got an air freshener for you. They have a 30-day odor-free challenge for you. They have got a Pog deodorizer that freshens and purifies the air naturally using the power of ozone and eliminates odors without the use of dangerous chemicals. I have one in my house. My house smells like Frank, my dog. Thanks to our friends at Pog, it no longer does. Dan has no longer needs a bathroom fan. So we've talked about Chris's goalie equipment is smelling very fresh. And Cam's car smells wonderful as well. Yes. Yes. Head on over to thepogstore.com. Pick yourself up a unit that fits your life. I want to talk about, before we get to the playoffs and to our brackets and how badly those are. Well, Dan, yours is all right. Mine's terrible. Yep. I want to talk about Vegas getting bumped out, which opened up a lane for the Oilers to talk to Kelly McCrimmon about the GM position. At this point, I was thinking about this last night. The GM search has gone on essentially since January when Shirelli got fired. We've been talking about who could come in, who's it going to be, is it going to be Keith, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any preference on who is hired as the GM? I was thinking about this last night and just had the realization that I don't know shit about any of these guys. I can read recaps on what they've done, where they've worked, what they look like. I can make my judgments on who's got the best hair. I feel like that goes a long way with me. Kelly McCrimmon is far and away the leader in that department. Must be nice. Do you guys care, Cam? Uh, well,
3: I mean, I personally would rather see them. Like Christian wrote that interesting post on the website where he looked at the current GMs in the league now. And he was like, all right, which which G which GMs came from where? How, like the ones that were internal hires, how good was the team that they were a part of? Keith Gretzky obviously is here for a few years Under a The team was hot ass. That's why trolley is not here. He would be one of the lowest winning percentage internal hires. And then there was the outside hires. Personally, I think given the way that Vegas saw such like obscene success as an expansion franchise, and I think they did it kind of with like new interesting measures and waves, ways of viewing the game, like more and more of a creative, uh, like futuristic look. I think he would be the one to bring in. Like, I, I really think the others desperately need a breath of fresh air. I hope it's not internal, but I, I, I think just, just given Vegas's success. That's, that's where I, would here's
2: go. why I'm super intrigued by Kelly McCrimmon as well. I think with an expansion draft coming up with Seattle in a year and a half, whatever that is, he got to sit at the table and receive pitches from all other 30 teams in the league on what they should do. I think that's, that's the kind of experience that would be invaluable going into the next draft for the Oilers. Just having an idea of what other teams could potentially be throwing out there in terms of protecting their own players or whatever. I think Kelly McCrimmon's a good choice, but again, I'm smart enough to realize that I don't know shit. Dusty's been selling me on Bill Guerin for months now. I like that idea too. Maybe Pat for Beak from Tampa is a good idea. Maybe he joins Eisenman in Detroit. Who knows? Just anybody from the
3: outside is what I, yeah, I just think
2: that they need, like cam said, a new way of looking at things. I like the way Vegas has an analytics department and they use that as part of player evaluation. I like all of that. You need to give yourself the best tools to do the job, Dan.
1: I think, yeah, to echo that and then also add on to it. I think, the most important thing for me, I agree. I had no idea you know what signings uh, Keith Gretzky was in on and and all that kind of crap and all that but but what I want to see is I want to see the GM come in and demand some autonomy over who's above him and demand that that the OBC doesn't have us you know a spot at the table anymore that kind of that kind of change that that this organization sorely needs is is what I want to see. From a proper that. org
2: chart, you might say. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, to just reiterate what you guys were saying, we don't know what, as, like, as fans, this is all we can grasp. Like, we don't know McCriman's personality. We don't know. Maybe he didn't say a single word the entire time with, uh, during... Just sat
3: there and got, like, blackout drunk at the draft table.
0: Maybe he was. We don't know. Uh, but just the fact that he came from that kind of environment and he's he was soaking it all in, um, that's all we can really go with.
1: Yeah, well, it's like, it's like, we could write an article that says that, that Jake Debrus came in solely because of Keith Gretzky, but we don't have that kind of access. We don't have that kind of knowledge. Yes, he was there when it was involved, but like you said, he could have been out, you know, and if that was the case,
2: we could also go ahead. Cam.
1: <laughs> yeah. If that's
3: the case, then you can also say that he's the reason Boston draft Thomas Shabbat,
2: Kyle Connor, Matt Barzel, Brock Besser.
1: Exactly. So it's just, it's yeah. I mean, the access <laughs> that we have doesn't give us any knowledge.
2: Darren Dreger tweeted out uh, last week at some point that the Oilers are looking to have this wrapped up May 1st slash early May. So as of today, as we record, is the 26th. So Clock's we, ticking. We could be within a week of finding out who our new GM is. If they can get it wrapped up in early May, like Dreger says is the plan, I think that's ideal. There was a, a while where they talked about maybe not even having somebody ready at the draft, which would have been bananas to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm interested to see how this wraps up. It's been, you know, three, four months in the making. Curious just, to see how it goes.
0: I'm just fully expecting for Keith Gretzky to get hired. Right, well, like, uh,
3: you know, you know that's that's like, oh, it's going to be McCrimmon, like, it's
2: going to be Garren, it's, it's going to be Verbeek, it's going to be so-and-so, Mark Hunter, whoever.
0: So Keith like, Gretzky. None of us are going to be surprised.
1: And what we know right now is that Keith Gretzky has been has been floated out by, by media that is connected to the Oilers closely. And we know that Mark Hunter has been interviewed twice. And that's basically that's all we have too. so far, right?
2: Unless you believe Dusty Nielsen at his word, which okay, I do. Yes, fair enough. Where he talked about his pair of sources saying that Keith Gretzky has already been informed he does not have the job. I wonder if
3: they wanted to give him the job and they floated it out there with the Matheson and Jones types. And the response was so bad. They're like, okay, we
2: can't do it." Well, they just got dunked on repeatedly. Because I'm wondering if a key
3: part of their hiring process with the new GM is like, all right, you can come in, but you have to keep these guys. And one of those guys is Keith. That's your AGM.
2: So, well, okay, that leads me into my next point. I had a little idea. Let's pretend you're Bob Nicholson and you're pitching these guys to be the next GM. In a sentence, in a quick, tidy little sentence before we move on to our playoff talk, how are you pitching a guy like Kelly McCrimmon to be the next GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Dan?
1: How do you fix our salary cap? I want to hear that answer from a GM coming in. I, I, I get what you're saying. But how like, do, I, for a how guy do like, I entice him?
2: No, no. I, yeah, like how does Bob Nicholson sell Kelly McCrimmon? Because right now, the way I look at it, it yeah, of course, if McCrimmon is your choice, he's in Vegas. He's in a good spot. Yeah. He's going to have an opportunity to perhaps go to Seattle as a GM and start right over again. He's going to have choices. He doesn't need to come to Edmonton.
0: All right. Yeah. So my, my we pitch need is him more than he needs us. My pitch
1: is Seattle doesn't have Connor McDavid.
2: There you go. That's a tidy little sentence. Chris, what do you got?
0: Cam, do you want to go? Do you got something?
3: The situation here was wildly idiot proof the first time around, and it's still probably idiot proof. And you have a very, very good chance to accomplish something, and you have a lot of balls in your court and
2: a lot of ammunition to do something good. And I would say if you get this right, you will be a god forever.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We need a hero, and he could be it. And also, Edmonton has a beautiful river valley.
2: It does. It
3: great, does. Uh, great
2: new restaurant scene.
0: And we also have casinos just like Vegas. So
2: yeah, go okay, head on out to the River Cree, have a couple of spins. Yep. There's a casino right in the arena.
0: Right in the arena. Vegas doesn't have a casino in the arena. We, we were taking that Vegas,
2: and we promise not to be critical of you. Critical of you for at least. Six months. We promise to make it through the draft and maybe free agency, depending on what you do without criticizing you too much. Maybe 15 to 20 articles. No big deal. (laughs) Boys, I want to talk about the playoffs. There has been some upsets. This is the first time ever that the first seed in all four divisions got bumped. First time ever that the conference winners from both conferences were bumped in the first round. First time ever, both Crosby and Ovechkin have been knocked out of the first round. Really? Yeah. Oh. How's that a tasty little factoid for you? That's something. It is. It's something. It's weird. Looking at it, I want to know who is the biggest upset for you, and I'm going to take Tampa out of the mix. We're all going to say Tampa's the biggest upset. Outside of them, who's the biggest playoff upset? Dan?
1: Uh, See, I, when it happened, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh getting eliminated in four games straight to the Islanders who don't have John Tavares. They don't have the superstar power that they had. They have Jordan. He's a superstar. And he, and he has absolutely come out of the woodwork. Do you think he's a nice guy? I think he's a great guy. Generational talent. Nice guy. Um, He's good. <laughs> I don't know if he's generational talent, but but yeah, I'd say the Pittsburgh Penguins with Sidney Crosby getting one point in the series is pretty wild.
0: I'm going to say uh biggest upset was Carolina over Washington. I I still think Carolina's running straight on fumes. They have some good players on their team, but as far as like depth goes and skill goes, I I I wouldn't bet on them. Uh Washington had it all. Washington had momentum. They've had a good season. They had experience. They had a Alex Ovechkin. They have a Vesna candidate goalie, and uh, they couldn't do it. And I, I'm shocked by that.
3: I think it was Dallas over Nashville. That was so random. Because um,
0: well, Evan, Evan the intern, is the there was a lot about Dallas, Dallas, but okay. Wow. Evan's like, a big Dallas I, Stars I, guy.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Like, we we I, I we watched uh, Dallas a few times this year, and I thought, man, this team's got nothing.
1: Like they had, they're slow, sluggish, boring. They had that huge scandal with their. Yeah, with their president
0: just raking men and seeing over the cold. Funny, that's when they kind of turn their season around. Hey, yeah.
3: But I just remember, I remember coming to a game against Dallas, and I watched it in person here against the Oilers. And the Oilers carved out like a two to one win, and Dallas had no firepower, and that was against like a Oilers blue line without Sakarin and Clefbaum And I thought, like, how is this team scoring goals on Nashville? It doesn't make any sense.
2: I think for me, I'm going to go with not necessarily surprising that St. Louis beat Winnipeg. Because I picked them in my bracket it's one of the only things I got right, but that Winnipeg just kind of went out so quietly they were all season long up until probably what February January, February, Winnipeg was rolling, and you're just like, all right, they've got a really good team here. they've got a lot of good pieces, no airport, no airport that 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 might have been what killed them might have been what killed them, but I just I didn't expect them to go out so quietly.
3: I know. You know what's actually a more difficult question to answer? What happened in the first round that was like insanely predictable? That a
0: referee would fuck up a call.
2: Oh, no, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that right now. coming up after oh, this. Oh,
0: I got it. That was to get, You know I'm you sure. know what the answer is? That Boston Toronto goes to Game
3: 7 and then Toronto lost. That yeah. was so fucking predictable. Yeah. Like they got that 3-2 series lead. I I knew coming into this series that this was going to be the year that the Leafs were going to Fuck up! The, like the last time they lost, it was kind of like ah, whatever. You're you're young and you were down through one the series. But this year they had the lead going into Game Six at home, and it was like, oh man, you're gonna find a way to blow this.
2: Yeah, it was the That was the, old, that was the only predictable part of the first round because in Game Six they also had a one goal lead early. Yeah, and you're watching it, and you're like, oh, maybe they're finally gonna slay the dragon this year. And then the wheels just fell off, and then Game Seven they, they so just, bad like, they just got outplayed.
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised by them. I wanted them to lose, but I I thought they were going to beat Boston. And I I don't know. Matthews played good, scored lots. Tavares like contribute at the end.
2: Babcock mostly at fault. Well, that's I what I was so, talking right? about because earlier we talked about Connor McDavid leading the league with twenty two fifty and averageized time among forwards. Game seven, Babcock didn't play. Matthews Matthews. Played like what? Nineteen Seven, minutes. It was
3: seventeen fifty or eighteen twenty. A or lot something.
2: of their good yeah. players didn't go over twenty minutes. At
3: no point did he Babcock move Nealander because he was centering the third line with Brown and Marlow because Cadre got kicked out up to play with Matthews. And with two minutes to go, they had Brown and Marlow on the ice. These two guys had contributed, and and like Frederick Gauthier was playing with five minutes left. Like what? Could you imagine if the Oilers? We're in like a do or die game seven and you had like Brodziak and like fucking Colby <laughs> Cave on the ice. Doesn't make any
0: sense. And wow. like he's just so he's, Babcock doesn't talk about it. He, he
2: carried on way. like he was coaching Team Canada. Yeah, I mean when you're coaching Team Canada and you can roll all four lines because your fourth line center is Claude Giroux or yeah. not care. Duchesne.
0: I don't care if Babcock had faith in those depth players. Like this is a playoffs, this is do or die. You pay your big stars to, to win you games and uh, you put them out there.
2: I think what what Chris is trying to say is that the coaching in that Toronto series really stunk and perhaps (laughs) they could have fixed that had they had their pog deodorizer on the bench along with them. I've heard a team like Toronto will have a pog out in their dressing room to make sure that their equipment does not stink. But what about the coaching Dan? Will the power of ozone can the power of ozone change stinky coaching? You don't Perhaps. know.
1: You don't know unless you put Babcock in a room with just the pog running for thirty minutes. No air escaping. What happens? <laughs> don't do that. don't However, do
2: that. However, do go to the pogstore.com to pick up a mobile unit, a wall unit, or a fridge unit that's going to kill ninety-eight percent of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus. Join in their 30-day odor free challenge and let them know what you think. Go to the pogstore.com, pick up the unit that fits your life, freshen and purify the air in your home, car, wherever you are. Make your life smell a little bit better, Daniel.
1: Home car wherever you are. I like that. Okay. Hey. Might, they might have something there.
2: Pog, if you want to take that, that's from me to you. Home car wherever you are. Get the Pog. We all made a bunch of videos this week. You, Hopefully, we're going to see those out soon. Personally, I think Frank looks adorable in my video. I had him sitting nicely. He was staring at me. I was holding treats for him, making sure he was a good boy. And he was enjoying the Pog commercial that he's part of.
0: He's a celebrity and he has no idea.
2: No, he has no idea. Took him to the vet yesterday and they literally paraded all like the nurse assistants or whatever you call them at vets. They all came out to say hi to him. And there was another dog in the waiting room. No love for that other dog. <laughs> and I actually felt bad for it. I was like, oh man, this other dog does not get no love. Yeah. Frank's getting all the love.
0: Frank just thinks like everyone's really nice in general. But yeah. He's very handsome. He doesn't know about this world. He's is, he very a genera- very handsome. is he a generational talent? Would you Absolutely.
3: Say? Do you think he's a nice guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is he good because he's a nice guy or is he a nice guy because he's good?
2: I think a little of both. I raised him to be a free thinker. I raised him to be a good human being dog.
3: (laughs) He's been being groomed since he was a child and now he's one of the best dogs in the league and he's such a nice guy. It's great.
2: Back to the playoffs. I want to talk about the five minute major on Cody Aiken that basically ended the San Jose Vegas series. Off the draw. Joe Pavelski it took a little uh took a high cross check. Then he got thrown down. He got a little body slam. He was laying on the ice after a conference. If I remember correctly, the refs came together. They to decided it was going to be a five-minute major. The sharks went on to score four straight goals. Almost winning. Vegas tied it, went to overtime. Sharks ended up winning in OT on a beauty goal by Goodrow. However, I'm curious what you guys thought about the penalty. At all. I I've watched it I don't know, ten times, fifteen times. I can see maybe a two minute penalty, but a five minute I it seems like they awarded a five minute penalty because Pavelski was hurt, but I don't necessarily feel like the play merited the punishment.
1: I'm not gonna let Chris speak. No, you're not speaking <laughs> first. My mouth opened. That like- was that was a a really bad moment for the league the referees very clearly uh, you know made the call they they were probably going to call it a 2 minute major or a 2 minute minor and then and then changed it because Pavelski was laid on the ice because the sharks players there was there was I counted at one point there was nine sharks players on the ice because some of them had come out to help Pavelski or help the doctor get out to Pavelski and all that kind of stuff so they're campaigning with the referees so the referees made a call 30 seconds, 90 seconds after the play, and they decide to give a guy a five-minute major. It was, it was also a, a huge mistake. It's very
3: telling that the league reached out to the Golden Knights, uh, George McPhee and like apologized. Yeah. I, that that, that kind of ends the discussion there. Well, they yeah.
0: f- they fucked up. Everyone knows they fucked up. <laughs> before they before I talk about the penalty, whether you agree with the call or not, that was the most entertaining game of hockey I've ever watched in my life. And that's Even if the refs did fuck up, that's the beautiful thing about this game. And that's beautiful thing about playoffs is that it's so unpredictable. It's so stressful. It's for San Jose to score four goals. Like you you can't write this. I don't know.
3: I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I I, I agree. It was fun and it was exciting game, but I don't know if I want my excitement to manifest from fuck ups. Like I've watched enough baseball in my life to know like how great and exciting a, a game can be because an umpire does something dumb and it's just like it's frustrating. Like the like the Blue Jays in 2015 probably would have gone to the World Series had it not have been for an umpire making terrible
0: calls in game six. Yeah. And it's, it's like,
3: yeah, that maybe that made an inning more entertaining or whatever, but like Jesus Christ, they just got
0: robbed. Is that not the concept of all sports? In all sports you're gonna have bad officials and bad calls that you don't agree with and you have to rally and you have to go through adversity. These players these players spent their whole lives like fighting through adversity. And like you, you don't like the call. And sure. The five minute major was an awful call. We all know that, but like, they just have to, you have to deal with it and move on, find a way to win.
1: But it's the five, the nature of the five minute major. So, so if they get, if they get two minute or like say it's a double minor because he drew blood, whatever, um, which isn't the rule I know, but I'm just saying that. So if, so if San Jose has the two power plays back to back, then they get the two goals in those power plays. And then the momentum is different because it's a five on five game.
2: Well, I have a question. Is yes, the the call is what it is, but it what is the onus on Vegas for allowing four straight goals on
1: that point? Oh, major? totally. It absolutely is. You they also you, blew the 3-1 series lead, yeah. shorthanded goal in game six, like Vegas choked. You can't dis yeah, you can't discount it. But but for a team that was rolling up until that point, Vegas was oh, yeah, they were all dominated. over the Sharks. And and for that to just change the change the entire momentum of the of the game, which I agree with you, Chris, to the point that 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 is playoffs hockey. That is playoff hockey, and that is the the excitement of it, is that a referee, a, a, you know, a bad mistake by a player oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. can cause a penalty that can turn the momentum. Okay,
3: here's a, here's an exciting one for you. Was it exciting when Corey Perry interfered with Cam Talbot in 2017? Was that fun? Same referee, by the way. Yeah, like, w- 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 are you going to look back at that in hindsight? It was your team. I'm
1: not joking. That's the same it's referee. The same, oh it's, it's, it's hard are you, to stop. Are you
3: looking back at that and being like, oh, well, that stupid call, you know, created a bunch of entertainment value and everybody had fun. No,
2: the Oilers got fucking robbed. The, and we didn't have fun. But that, I remember, being in, a bar. Fun. I remember occasion, being in the bar and it got
0: very quiet. That occasion is 100% different because it was, no, it's a, not. it was a reviewable play and he reviewed it and he fucked up the review. Not only did he fuck up the call in the ice, but he also messed up the review. And the thing about this is that the five-minute major wasn't reviewable. He, the ref screwed up and he's not skating in the second round of playoffs deservedly. But I think the, the, Anna, the Corey Perry situation was a lot worse because he messed up twice. But it's not. It's not different in that.
1: Ryan Kessler, wasn't it? I'm yeah, Ryan Kessler. I thought Ryan. it was Corey because he says, no, "What are we tell Corey? I going to tell Corey?" To to tell Corey just up? in the sense that they both suck, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck um, all. They're
3: all the same guy to me. But that was also that was also <laughs> a
1: scenario too, where the Oilers were up in that game. Oh, good players the, the, who are the, dicks: Corey Perry, Ryan Kessler. There you go. But not generational. Pal. Not no, generational, Not generational. Dicks. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go uh, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so so. I guess, and so what has to come out of this, and it's already been discussed, I think Bill Foley came out and said that he's obviously going to be lobbying for more review um, coming in the off-season, is a change in how reviews work and how video reviews work. Because right now, to me, video reviews are, the, are the, the dark figure hanging over a referee's shoulder that's going to make him look like an idiot because he's reversing his call due to the the review booth. Whereas in the NBA... They've shifted it to a tool that the referees can use to back themselves up when they're not sure about a call.
3: In in baseball they vote they've what they've suggested is there's another umpire that watches the game kind of from like a press box area and they all have the microphones and they're like, so a tight call comes up, don't make a call. I guess it's easier in baseball because it's it's a more static game. And then they kind of relay down, all right, here's what happened. And then they can make their call rather than the NHL. It's, it's so much more random.
1: Well, and then in this, in the stars, predators game seven, right out a- the night after, um, there's a call in overtime where uh, I think it was Dickinson flipped the puck up into the air and over the glass, yep. but he was so close to the blue line that the referees weren't sure. Mm-hmm. So they con- they conference for like a minute to try and figure it out. That time could have been spent using using a referee, uh, you know, a referee review to fix that to fix that call to get
0: it right. Yeah, I, I
1: hate reviews, by the way. I agree, so, I agree with you on that. All right but. if they but add more I reviews, would, it's
3: gonna be so
0: bad. I would happily wait an extra five minutes for them to get that five minute major right.
3: But you just said you like wacky calls because it makes it more exciting.
0: No, but I agree with Dan's point here that if they if they had an on-demand review that the rest had a choice of it's their own to use yeah. as a tool and not like Toronto calling in and be like, nah, you got this wrong. We're going to embarrass you. Like if they use it on their own, sure. There is a margin of error there because when does a referee start second guessing himself and want to review every little play, but. well, and And that was
1: one of the comments I think that, that Rick had made was that, well, what if the referee decided not to review that play? Well, then he wears it more because he had the opportunity to fix it. He had the opportunity to go back and, and, and admit that, you know what? I didn't see it because I'm human and I wasn't looking at it. And then that's the end of it, but
0: uh also in regarding to Vegas giving up the lead, did anyone notice uh their third goal with the high stick review? Yeah, that was clearly a high, oh, yeah, high stick was, yeah, yeah he's six so foot, how, how he's did, six foot
1: on skates or off skates yeah, so and his and his stick was if not
0: parallel, just a little bit less than parallel with his shoulders and that went to review, and they called it a goal like i I was rooting for Vegas, so I was fine with it, but I mean that shouldn't have counted at all, yeah. No, and and Shark fans did say, you know, I I didn't
1: I wasn't watching closely enough to say whether or not the, that they were getting the calls, but Sharks fans had been complaining about the referee up until that point. Yeah. Um, in that game. So
0: long story short, everything that everything bad that could have happened that game, just unlucky and everything, it happened. And it was a worst case for everybody, for Pavelski, for the refs, for the players.
2: On a different angle. I'm happy the Vegas fans finally have a reason to hate refs. You've been having too much fun. Yeah, yeah. So fuck you, Vegas Just fans. I'm glad Welcome you got knocked out. First Welcome ever adversity as a
0: fan base.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm, I'm glad you got knocked out. Enjoy doing whatever you want in the city that you live in. You yeah. fucking spoiled <laughs> bastards.
1: Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy
3: watching Vegas 51's AAA baseball.
2: Uh, looking at the playoff brackets, boys. I want to touch base on how we all did in the first round. I will start off by saying the only two things that I got right. In this first round was I picked Saint Louis to beat Winnipeg and I picked Boston to beat Toronto. Everything else is wrong. Nice. That's
1: fair. Everything else is wrong. Two out of eight.
2: <laughs> Two That's out of eight. Good. Great, great job.
1: Uh, uh yeah. Also, yeah, we should mention uh Jared and Evan both had one out of eight. Two out of eight. Two out of eight, out of eight for Evan and Millie, Nation Millie,
0: had zero. One, had one out one, of eight. How many eight. did you have? St. Louis. I had three Evan three for eight. I I went three for eight. I had Saint Louis, Boston, and New York.
3: I had uh Saint Louis, Carolina, and the Islanders.
0: And as your uh your table champion, I went
1: with five. Five out of eight. I had the entire East picked correctly, and my West was a disaster. I just had picked Colorado correctly, but everything else went poorly. Wait a minute,
2: what did Evan get right? Evan got Boston. No, you picked Winnipeg, my
1: friend.
0: Oh, oh, you're trying to lie. You're a liar. You can come Evan's feel free to to look at, at your he's
2: checking
1: he's checking he bag looks checking my now. work. That's unbelievable. I
2: am looking at Evans brackets. Is this in, in front the article of me. He that he he is going to get credit for a series that he did not pick. He is now going to a different thing. You can look in your own computer. Is this the article friend. that you put I up that you didn't include
0: me in? Yeah. I, I Chris really goes need. and
2: makes an article on the website with everyone's bracket. He just doesn't put me in there.
0: It's because uh, I asked everybody to send me their brackets, and you're the only <laughs> I one. I tweeted <laughs> mine. Shout out to Tyler Uremchuk for getting none correct. That's Really? He had zero for eight. Man, that's incredible. That wow. guy doesn't
1: That's know. almost as
2: impressive to me as almost going a perfect bracket in the sense that how do you not accidentally get one?
1: Well, and it sets you up for the next round because you listen to his picks and you just fade everything he said. (laughs) You just go against everything he picked.
2: So now Evan is showing us an alternate bracket where he picks he can't just, you, can't just ha- you can't make, you just have multiple He just got 15 15 yeah. brackets over This is what Evan
1: on. It
3: doesn't mean that that's Evan the- did this in our March Madness tournament I saw he, <laughs> yeah. he he sat at a computer for 36 straight hours and he put together 5,000 brackets <laughs> and, and then he still did. finished last in our March Madness
1: pool <laughs> He didn't enter them into anything and then he just kept saying I would have picked that I would have picked that so I Evan, would have picked that upset I would have had the top four He was
3: also literally emphatically screaming about how
1: uh Dallas. What, what did you yeah, say? He wanted Calgary to be the biggest. Yeah, he upset says, he says, Calgary
2: upset. he's a big Calgary Flames fan over here. Wow. Evan is rattled because we called him on our shenanigans. He
3: shook. You were shook deep down because you knew you made 10 <laughs> brackets and you didn't get anything right on any of them
2: <laughs> with a couple of we only got a couple of minutes left here, boys. So I want to do some quick predictions here on the second round. Uh, we're going to go around series by series. We're going to start in the West. Dan, who do you got for Dallas-St. Louis?
1: I, I still don't believe in St. Louis.
0: I'm going to say Dallas in six.
2: Dallas in six for Dan. Chris, Evan's who do you got? You got Dallas-St. Louis. Who Who you got?
0: I want to preface my picks by saying that every series is a coin flip, uh, but I have St. Louis in seven.
2: St. Louis in seven for Chris. Cam? Um...
3: Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I have to go with St. Louis, too. I, don't, I Again, it was the same thing with the Nashville thing.
0: Dallas just seems so bad. I don't get how they're there. It doesn't make any ben sense. Ben Bishop can steal games though.
2: It's so bad. We're going to go over to our uh, audio team. Then Evan, who do you Nashville, got? So shocking. Dallas, St. Louis. Evan is thinking. He's looking around. He's going St. Louis in. St. Louis in six for Evan. And Jared, what do you got? Jared is coming down off the high of his... Jared's he sticking with St. Louis. Can we like all it. pick St. Louis? I am nope. going to uh, go with... Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with St. Louis in Lots six. I'm going to go with St. Louis in six. Lots of St. Louis.
1: Five to one for St. Louis. So over Dan
2: Dallas. is on Team Dallas. The rest of us are on St. Louis. Let's jump over to Colorado San Jose. Daniel?
1: Oh, I want
0: Colorado to win this in three. <laughs> but I think Colorado wins it in seven. Chris? I want... San Jose to win it. Now that San Jose beat Vegas, I'm like, I want to see Thornton win a cup so bad. Um, But I'm going Colorado in five.
2: Colorado in seven.
3: Colorado uh, in five for Chris. I think San Jose found their momentum when uh, when the, the ref gifted them that fucked penalty. I think San Jose is going to win this in six.
2: I'm going to go San Jose in seven. Evan? San Jose, Colorado. Evan is thinking, Colorado. Colorado in six for Evan. Jared, San Jose in in six. We are now over to the Eastern Conference. We got Columbus and Boston, Boston, Columbus and Boston. Dan, Fuck them.
1: I think Boston in five. Oh, bold, <laughs> Chris. Oh,
0: this is a tough one. Columbus,
2: Boston. Chris is thinking. Is it that tough?
0: Yeah, I I really want Columbus. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going Columbus in six.
2: Cam, I'm going Columbus in five Columbus. In five. They're going to I'm win gonna the gonna four, go, four in a row. I'm going to go Boston in seven, though my heart wants Columbus to win. Yeah, what's going on here, Wayne? I, you didn't I believe just, in the blue jackets. I, I don't, but I also to, <laughs> picked them to lose in the first round. So what the fuck do I know? Evan? You have to bet with your head. You got, you got Boston in six, Jared. Got Boston in six last series. We got Carolina and New York. Daniel.
1: New York in five.
2: New York in five. Christopher is thinking he's got his eyes closed. He is pondering. Carolina, New York Islanders. Go ahead, my friend. Uh,
0: I- Islanders in seven.
2: Islanders in seven for for Chris. Cam? Carolina in seven. Oh, boy. Carolina in seven for Cam. I'm going to go with New York in six because I'm, I'm cheering for my boy Epps. Why not? Yep. Evan? New York in five for Evan and Jared? Carolina and six for Jared. We are split on the east a little bit. I may West, need
1: to amend my picks because I've lined up too many with Evan and I know how you he, how wrong he is. That is a bold
2: that actually, you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. Or you can just do what Evan does and no matter how the series goes you just lie and say True. you pick the other team. True. So that's what I would do. Evan's going to go back and edit the audio on the podcast to accommodate like I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. Go on out to adopt a pedathon starting tomorrow, which is Saturday at 1 o'clock. I want to thank hogstore.com for making us all smell a little bit better. Have a good weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes.